From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 226 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, I hope 2021 is going well for you so far. I don't know about you, but I made a few New Year's resolutions, which I ended up breaking New Year's Day. Gets a little depressing sometimes. However, it doesn't really, for any of us, take long to slip back into old and familiar patterns of behavior. If this has happened to you, first ask yourself, is what you're working on for God or of God? If not, maybe it's not all that important. If so, ask the Lord for the grace to persevere. Do not give up. For the Lord gives us the grace to overcome our sins. He never gives up on us. So let us never despair. In episode 226 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, St. William of Borges, who served the church as a holy monk. We will hear a homily for the baptism of the Lord as we hear about the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a new member of Congress. In the segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book from Pope Francis. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand what occurred in my former home state of Massachusetts. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from a Vatican committee about the Word of God. All of this, plus music from Christ Our Life, who sings, I Open My Heart. This and more on episode 226 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week William Barruer, of the illustrious family of the ancient Counts of Nevers, was educated by Peter the Hermit, Archdeacon of Soissons, his uncle by the mother's side. He learned from his infancy to despise the folly and emptiness of the riches and grandeurs of the world, to abhor its pleasures, and to tremble at its dangers. His only delight was in exercises of piety and in his studies in which he employed his whole time with incredible application. He took the habit in the abbey and was a shining and perfect example of monastic perfection. After some time, he was chosen to be prior of that house and afterwards abbot. St. William always reputed himself the last among the brethren. The universal mortification of his senses and passions laid him the foundation of an admirable purity of heart, an extraordinary gift of prayer, in which he received great heavenly lights and tasted the sweets which God had reserved to those to whom he is pleased to communicate himself. On the 23rd of November, the year 1200, he was elected to be made a bishop. This news overwhelmed him with grief. He never would have acquiesced had he not received a double command in virtue of obedience from the Holy Father himself and from his orders general. He left his solitude with many tears, 
and was received at Borgia's as one sent by heaven, and soon after was consecrated bishop. In this new dignity, his first care was to conform both his exterior and interior life to the most perfect rules of sanctity, being very sensible to honor God perfectly in his soul. He redoubled his austerities, saying it was now incumbent on him to do penance for others as well as for himself. He wore a hair shirt under his religious habit and never added or diminished anything in his clothes and changed it even, even during the coldest of winters or the hottest of summers. He never ate meat, although he had it at his table for strangers. He was determined to feed his flock, assisting the poor both spiritually and corporally, saying that he was sent chiefly for them. He was mild and penitent to sinners. Many of his gifts were reclaimed by his love of others. His feast day is January 10th. St. William of Borgias, who served the church in humility and truth, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the baptism of the Lord, as we hear about Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. Almost two years ago, it made news that more than a dozen wealthy parents appeared in Boston Federal Court, accused of using a criminal, quote, side door to get their kids into prestigious colleges. Among those on the U.S. Attorney General's star-studded list of indictments were Lori Laughlin, who played in a show called Fuller House, never saw it, and Felicity Huffman, who was a star in Desperate Housewives. These parents bribed coaches with hundreds of thousands of dollars, took fake recruiting photos, and had their kids cheat on tests, all to score admissions to schools like Yale, Stanford, and University of Southern California. These wealthy parents were willing to do almost anything to ensure their children had the status of attending a prestigious university. Today we celebrate the last day of Christmas, the baptism of the Lord. Yes, it is the official end of the Christmas season. And during this day that we celebrate, we celebrate the fact that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. Now, baptism, as we know, is for the repentance of sins. Jesus is God. He had no sins. So why would Jesus do this? He did this, as he said, as Scripture said, to fulfill all righteousness. He did it out of love for us. He did it in humility. Jesus was willing to lower himself, in a sense, to be less than simply God and be baptized, to help, serve, and ultimately give his life for us. So, Jesus lowers himself. The question I think I am thinking about for us 
is do we lower ourselves to serve him? Or do we try to raise ourselves up to a higher place? Often, we love status, just like those parents who wanted their kids sent to prestigious universities. We want to be esteemed, loved, valued, held in high regard. And because popularity and esteem and status is important to us, often we raise ourselves up to be noticed. If, if something goes well in our lives, we often take credit for it, even if it wasn't completely our doing. We do this because being important is important to us. We often want to have places of honor. If we're at a wedding, we like to sit at the head table. If we're at church, we like the best seat. We want the best, the best to eat, the best to drink, the best car. We want these things not just to possess them, but because they have a status that make us feel and look important. And when we live this way, which if we're honest with ourselves, we often do, we are not following the example of Christ who took the lowest place and wants us to be willing to do the same. You see, Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is calling us to recognize what is truly important. Righteousness, holiness, love. So if we are to emulate Jesus' lowering himself for us, we must be willing to lower ourselves for him. That means being a people that want to be humble. If we're not humble, Let's ask the Lord for the gift of humility. If we don't want to be humble, let's ask God to, for the gift of wanting to want to be humble. But let's do something to change our lives. Let's know and remind ourselves that in humility, we are truly last. We are third. We are the least important. Let us ask and remember that. Because if we ask the Lord that, for the gift of being the last, we will be granted that prayer. May we pray for others more than we pray for ourselves, something I don't do very well and I'm not alone. May we pray not for something we want for anyone, but simply out of gratitude to the Lord. Will we not take credit when things come our way? Will we admit our faults and say, thank you, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Will we take responsibility for ourselves instead of blaming others for our own faults? You see, if we do these things, we become lower and we become more like the Lord. My brothers and sisters, Jesus was baptized to give us an example. He lowered himself to take on our humanity out of love for us. May we, as his disciples, Take the lower place. May we know that the status of the world is unimportant. May we know that we are called to love and to serve him. For we know that only by doing so may we truly be the disciples that he calls each of us to be.
Now let us listen to the group Christ Our Wife sing what we are all called to do, especially if we are going to try to live a life of humility. I open my heart. in the news. The growing number of pro-life women in Congress demonstrates the growing consensus that opposition to abortion is part of a holistic platform to support women, says new representative Michelle Fishback from Minnesota. This is about being pro-women. This is about helping women, about supporting women, Fishback said of the pro-life agenda, not just telling them, here, go kill your child. 
This is about making sure they understand that we will accept their child and support them, being there to help them, to support them saying, this is a gift from God, let us help you. That's being supportive. 18 women who ran on pro-life platforms were newly elected to Congress. This is a stellar group of members. There's all kinds of wonderful experience, and I'm excited to have them as part of Congress, Fishback said. Fishback also said she and her husband have two grown children, five grandchildren, with a sixth on the way. She said her priorities as she begins her first term include economic recovery amid the COVID-19 pandemic, rural broadband for Minnesota, and protection for the unborn. Asked if there will be opportunities to protect life and legislation during a Biden administration and in a House and Senate under Democratic control, Fishback said we will continue to fight, adding that protecting things like the Hyde Amendment are important. You know, she said, we will keep our options open and make sure that if the opportunity does arise, we are able to do things. I worked, she said, in both majority and minority when I was in Minnesota Senate, so I understand how to get things done in both those situations. So I will continue to work and make sure that we're pushing things so that we have the opportunity in fighting for the things we need to. Fishback also said her Catholic faith is an important part of her life. I think it shapes so much, so much about how you look at things and how you approach things and even the fact that the church is pro-life and promotes a pro-life agenda just means so much, she related. It's so fundamental and so much falls in place with the way you live, the way you present yourself, not only running, but how you live your life. Michelle Fishback, a new member of Congress dedicated to protecting life and living the truths of the faith, this week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media, a new book in which Pope Francis discusses the challenges and opportunities deriving from the coronavirus crisis was recently published. The 150-page book called Let Us Dream, The Path to a Better Future, was written by the Holy Father in collaboration with Catholic writer Austin Ivory. Ivory is the author of the 2015 biography of the Pope, entitled The Great Reformer, Francis in the Making of the Radical Pope, and more recently, Wounded Shepherd, Pope Francis in the Struggle to Convert the Catholic Church. Let Us Dream is an unusual book, in that although it says it is the fruit of the interviews made during the COVID-19 crisis between the Pope and Ivory, no questions appear in the text. Instead, only the Pope's voice is heard, except for a postscript by Ivory at the end. The book is divided into three parts. The first presents the crisis, the second evaluates it, and the third calls to action. It is a method known as see, judge, and act, which Francis uses as an environmental encyclical in La Daute Si. Assessing the COVID crisis in the book, Francis explains what it can teach us about how to handle crises in our own lives and at the world at large. He then draws on some of his own experiences of upheaval, stressing the importance of not returning to a pre-crisis state. He also offers a scathing critique 
of current socioeconomic and political systems. In, ideology, in ideologies that he believes conspired to produce the crisis, and lastly, offers a blueprint for building a better world. Quote, putting the poorer and planet at the heart of new thinking, unquote. Let us dream with Pope Francis is an epiphany, a call to arms that shows Pope Francis at his most personal, profound, and passionate, according to the publishers. With this book and with open hearts, we can change the world. What a stream. The path to a better future. Written in large part with interviews by Pope Francis. This week's Truth in the Media. Abortion rights will be formally codified into state law and access to the procedure will be expanded after the Massachusetts Senate joined the House in overriding Governor Charlie Baker's veto of legislation. The Senate reaffirmed its support for the abortion access measures on a 32-8 vote, one day after the House's vote. The bill, initially passed within the state budget and then returned by Baker with amendments that lawmakers ultimately rejected, will allow abortions after 24 weeks, that's six months of pregnancy, in cases with a, quote, fatal fetal anomaly, and here's the fun part, quote, if necessary, unquote, in the best medical judgment of a physician to preserve the patient's physical or mental health. It would then lower from 18 to 16, the age at which individuals can seek abortion without parental consent. Beginning today, Pregnant people who once faced near insurmountable barriers assessing abortion care can now seize the right to control their own bodies, said Senate President Emerita Harriet Chandler. So let me try to understand this. The Massachusetts Senate President is bragging that the legislature will allow abortions basically almost up to birth and lowers the age of consent to 16? This, supposedly, is a good thing? This can't be happening in my in my state of Massachusetts, but it is. I don't get it. Truth topic of the week. The Vatican's liturgy congregation is encouraging Catholic parishes around the world to celebrate the Sunday of the Word of God with new vigor. The Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments suggested ways that Catholics should prepare for the day devoted to the Bible. The committee wants to help reawaken, it said, in the light of the Sunday of the Word of God, an awareness of the importance of sacred scripture for our lives as believers, beginning with its resonance in the liturgy, which places us in living and permanent dialogue with God. The annual observance of the Word of God takes place on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, which will be celebrated on January 24th. The, the congregation said, A day devoted to the Bible should not be seen as a yearly event, but rather a year-long event, for we urgently need to grow in our knowledge and love of the Scriptures and of the risen Lord who continues to speak his word and to break bread in the community of believers. The document lists 10 guidelines 
for marking the day. He encourages parishes to consider an entrance procession with the Book of the Gospels, which we do at our parish, or simply place the Book of the Gospels on the altar, which we also do. The congregation urged bishops, priests, and deacons to help people to understand sacred scripture through their homilies. It also highlighted the importance of leaving room for silence, which by favoring meditation allows the word of God to be received inwardly by the listener. It said, the church has always paid particular attention to those who proclaim the word of God in the assembly, priests, deacons, and readers. This ministry requires specific interior and exterior preparation, familiarity with the text to be proclaimed, and the necessary practice in the way of proclaiming it clearly, avoiding all improvisation. It is possible to preface the readings with appropriate and short introductions. The Vatican Congregation reminding us of the importance of our reverence for the Word of God. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have come to the end of episode 226 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or just let me know how you're doing, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail, g-m-a-i-l, dot com. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, God willing, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.